1: Welcome, welcome, Southern California. You are listening to Southern California Live, and I'm your host, Ed Carlson. Thank you again for having me these past couple days. It has been a pleasure. It's been a blast. It's been a privilege working with all the folks, wonderful folks here at KKLA, and uh, working with Wilbert on the the board. And uh, you guys don't get to see him, but uh, he is a wonderful human being. So thank you, Wilbert, for everything you do. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged and challenged during our time together. uh, been a wonderful time in our last hour together. I I want to talk about the drug epidemic that is ravaging our nation uh, and our communities, and specifically our families. Um, and, and we're going to talk about an issue that's pretty—it's uh, serious, it's heavy, um, it, it is troubling. But there is hope. There is hope, and uh, we're going to talk about it. But Jesus, I believe this: Jesus came not only to die for our sins but he also came to help you with your problems. He came to save us, yes, but he came as well to give us his Holy Spirit, to help us with the problems that we face on a daily basis. And God offers you new life in Christ. I want you to remember that as we talk about the tough subjects uh, from time to time, always remember this, at the core of all of that is that God offers you new life in Christ, and with his power, with his power you can change you can't change with under your own power we've tried it i've tried it before under my own power I try to change myself it can't happen but god and his power can change you proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death i'm going to read that again it's such a powerful verse uh, by the wisest man that we all know solomon he said this that there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death Although that verse applies to many situations in life, it is a perfect description of addiction. Uh, Addictions come in many forms. Um, We immediately think of alcohol and drugs when we hear the term, but people can be addicted to many things, food, gambling, shopping, uh, work even, uh, pornography, the internet, video games, smartphone, whatever, texting, pain meds, the list goes on and on. And I've heard some people describe their addiction this way, and I really think it just kind of gives you a, kind of a sneak peek into what's happening in the mind and heart of addicts. But it's, uh, they say, I've heard them say this, that it was the best about their addiction, that it was the best thing until it became the worst thing. And that is so true. That, that could almost be the mantra of any addiction. It, it, it's always that way. Whether it's alcohol or drugs or something else, it's always the best thing until it becomes the worst thing. And, and there is a way that seems right to you, It's the best thing, the very best thing for me, the only thing that helps me get through. Nothing matters to me more than this. But in the end, it leads to death. The Bible says so. So for purposes of our conversation today, I want to, we'll be concentrating on substance addiction. Um, And I want to just say this before we get to our our first guest today. I mean, for this this hour, uh, why is addiction such a problem? Well, it's a huge problem because of the great costs that are involved. Uh, you know, we have this wonderful thing of, called free will uh, that has been given to us by God, but re- realize that every choice has a consequence, and there are some choices that actually have victims. We talked a lot about that kind of that, that concept uh, yesterday when we talked about abortion and some other things, but every choice has a consequence, and there are some choices that actually even have victims. But there is a cost to society with addiction when when you type the word social cost and I encourage you to do that go type social cost into Google the first suggestion usually that comes up is social cost of alcohol with over 15 million results according to the CDC excessive alcohol consumption costs the United States over 200 billion annually according to the Encyclopedia of Drugs Alcohol and Addictive Behavior there are over 100,000 deaths per year in the United States just due to alcohol now we're just talking about alcohol we're going to be talking about drugs here in a second in addition to causing early death, substance abuse makes for a variety of consequences that reduce the quality of life, both for users and other people. And the annual cost, listen not this, the annual cost of drug abuse is over $100 billion. And Americans spend, and this is a, a wild stat, um, but this is found in the book by Sharon Hirsch called The Last Addiction. Americans spend more on pornography in one year than the annual sales of Coca-Cola and almost two-thirds of all visits in commerce on the internet, involve a sexual purpose. If we don't think that that addiction costs a society, then we're not really looking at it the right way. There's also a cost to families. Most of us either know are in or are in, in a family that has been affected by addiction. See, a family is a system, and it's a system that is set up by God, and when the system runs properly, it's a beautiful thing, it's a holy thing. You have a safe place to come home. The family members love and support each other. Everyone does their part. Uh, not that it's perfect, but it, it's it is a, a an unbelievable, holy, God-designed thing. But addiction throws a horrible wrench into that system. Home is no longer a safe place. Uh, if the parents is the addict, the children have to pick up the slack for their parents and take on roles that they weren't intended to have. Uh, we learn to to live with deception and denial. We Develop unhealthy coping mechanisms that follow us into other areas of life. Even when people get off the drugs, they still have those unhealthy coping mechanisms. And forget about a safe environment. We're just working on survival. The children usually suffer the most. They don't understand why mom or dad isn't there for them. They don't understand why their parents continue to do something so damaging to themselves. Children in addicted households usually experience greater levels of anger or abuse than those in other households. And then there are the many babies that are born already physically dependent on one drug or another. So there's a cost to families. And I haven't even mentioned when a child is the actual one who is the addicted. Most families struggling with addiction eventually come apart. So there's also the high cost of divorce or separation, which is another one of the costs to society as well that comes along with addiction. But then there's a cost to yourself. For those that are out there listening that are struggling in addiction, there's a cost to yourself. Not only is it costing your family, it is. It's costing society, but it's also costing you. There's a cost to yourself as an individual. Proverbs 23, in fact, warns about substance abuse. It says in Proverbs 23, it says, Listen, my son, and be wise, and keep your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. See, when you're addicted, you're basically out of control. You can convince yourself that you're still under control. I've heard it, we hear it all the time. Oh, I can stop anytime I want, right? But you're not. You're not in control anymore. And addiction can also affect your eternal destiny. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, it says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Do not be deceived, Paul says. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Remember, your addiction, whatever it is, is your God. Ultimately, it's idolatry. And so if your addiction keeps you away from the real God, it will also keep you out of the kingdom of God. And this is the ultimate end game, really, of, to Proverbs fourteen twelve. What did we say just a second ago? There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So, addiction is a huge problem. There, there, there is a high cost to society, a high cost to families, a high cost to individuals, and that's my impact segment. I, I want to talk about that today. I, I want to talk to you, uh, but first, well, let's meet our guest. Joe Fury was born and raised in Orange County. He has been married to Therese for forty wonderful years. They have three children and five grandsons. He is a minister with the Assemblies of God and is a lead pastor of His Place Church in Westminster. Joe has over 32 years ministry experience and has ministered extensively in the area of substance and trauma recovery. His passion for the restoring of lives and bondage to Christ was birthed through his own addiction, his own spiritual awakening and recovery. And he served 12 years as a senior chaplain at the Orange County Rescue Mission. And there, while there, he de- helped develop the foundational holistic spiritual and emotional recovery processes, which are an intricate part of the recovery church he has led since 1996. Since that time, the church has grown from less than 30 people to five churches, reaching over a thousand a week with numerous outreach and inreach programs, touching lives throughout the con- county. He has also served as a mentor, guest lecturer, curriculum developer, and conference speaker for the International Union of Gospel Missions, and has served on the board of director for three nonprofit organizations. Man, that's a lot, Joe. Welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Hey, Ed. how you doing,
1: buddy? Man, that's a that that is a, a that is an incredible bio. You are a busy man, at least for the last twenty thirty years. It sounds like.
2: Well, you know it. Uh me on the straight and narrow. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it gives me a purpose in life. And and that's what I didn't have when I was uh, lost in in my drug world. But let me uh, give you a little bit about really what addiction is. Yeah. Uh, Because we talk about it a lot. And you gave great info um, to open this segment. But really, addiction at its core, why people get addicted is because it's a compulsive, comfort-seeking response usually to the adversity we experienced in childhood. It can happen later in life, but most people that start the addiction journey are well on their way before 18 years old. So we, what happens is we become wired to self-comfort to ease stress and minimize trauma, which in reality over time only increases both stress and trauma, which leads to all kinds of other problems With no lasting solution yeah and so as you said the latest research tells us 24 million people in our country are active alcoholics or drug dependent uh, today practicing 25% of all depressed and anxiety patients also have a substance problem with less than 2 million seeking treatment of any kind which means People, families, children are living in homes. You know, you do have your homeless segment, but many, many alcoholics and addicts live in homes, and uh, it changes the dynamics of the family. They live in homes with active addiction. And not only that, CDC states that there were 93,300 overdose deaths in 2020. Wow. That is a 30% increase from 2019. Yeah, yeah. And 2021 is even looking worse. Yeah, we have a tremendous issue. Between L.A., Orange, and Riverside, we are losing 18 to 22 people a week to overdoses.
1: Now, we talked about that this uh, week. That's more than what uh, has been. That's almost like a 300% increase. What was it before? Because that's about eight.
2: Well, it was was, uh, uh, low 14s just a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we've uh, jumped a massive amount of, and COVID had something to do with it. But it's also um, an ongoing issue. The open borders have been a tremendous problem. Uh, Now drugs, fentanyl, which is the key drug that's taking people out, is made in China, shipped to Mexico, and comes up through the border. And when you're having 200,000 people cross the border illegally a month, drugs are free-flowing. So we have lots of issues going on. And as you said, there is hope because God is also doing a work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: Joe, first off, before we go to a call, we got a call that's uh, going to come in. And Karen from LA, we're going to get to you. Just uh, hold on just a little bit more. But, Joe, before we go to that call, first, give us a quick breakdown of your story and what has brought you up to this point of where you are. And just within like a two, three minute kind of synopsis, like give us your story, really.
2: Okay. Quick. Well, let me give you just this piece right here. Um, there's a thing called, uh, an acronym called ACEs. It's Adverse Childhood Experiences. Okay. Most people, the root of addiction is trauma. Yeah. And that includes divorce, loss of a parent, emotional neglect, physical neglect, sexual abuse, parental abandonment, living with a mentally ill or addicted family member, vis- verbal humiliation, physical traumas, injuries. So my story is mixed up in that. I came from that same thing. My dad died young. I was abused by a priest sexually for a number of years who was also supposedly a close friend of our family. And uh, and my big burden and what led me towards addiction was the the keeping secrets, keeping secrets and not being able to explain. my. After my dad died, my family never, ever talked about it. My mom never said nothing else. We just moved. We all with our eight kids in my family, we all moved on in silence. Mm -hmm. So we all processed alone. And and I was the oldest boy and I started checking out and uh, uh, drugs calmed my mind. And when I found cocaine at 20 years old, this is way back in the 70s, um, that was uh, the best thing I ever had best thing that ever came into my life. And I did all kinds of drugs, but that was my favorite until it started to destroy my life, which uh, was a downward spiral from 20 to, well, actually more like 19. And uh, I got uh, a friend of mine who got saved in college came to uh, live by me. He, He got saved in the Midwest and he came to live because God told him to come minister to me. And for two years, he tried to minister to me, and I didn't listen to anything he said, um, because I had rejected Jesus early. I figured, you know, I was raised Catholic, so if he can't control the priest, I got nothing to do with this guy. And um, so I came to know the Lord, got a hunger to save people. I had lost my marriage. My wife had left. I had three children. She took them. God has reunited us, and my heart became— desirous of uh, helping people like myself, and that started my journey in 1985 to uh, impact the world for good, um, at least my community, and help those who were like me. And so that's, that's the journey in a nutshell on a personal level.
1: Yeah, Um Incred- are you Joe- there? Yeah, Joe has an incredible story, folks, and uh, we're going to learn more about it this hour. And uh, but before we go to our first break, I want to get Karen, who has been on hold for about 15 minutes now. Karen, uh, you have a, a question or, or for myself or for Joe today? Karen, are you there? All right, one going once. Karen, are you there? Karen from LA. Yes,
3: I am. Oh, there you are. I'm so here.
1: you have a quick uh, a quick question for her. Joe.
3: Yeah, about addiction. My brother is highly uh you know, addicted to crack cocaine, Not pleasing and out he needs to drink every day. Are you there?
1: Yeah, we're here. Go ahead.
3: Oh, and uh you know, uh he's older now. He's like uh six years but he's younger than me. I'm his older sister and I live right next door to him. He's fifty four years old. And he's been doing drugs and alcohol since, I don't know, his 20s. He's been in and out of prison. And uh, I just don't know what the next step for him would be. The only thing I can think of is, you know, what they tell you in recovery is death or prison. Yeah. I don't think he'll go back to prison because he uh, had enough time in there and it really kind of ruined him, but.
1: Yeah, well, well, Karen, we're going to have Joe answer that as you kind of listen on, on the radio. Joe, uh, real quickly, about a minute response, what uh, what would you say to Karen has somebody, and there's probably many out there as well, that has well, just an old I, addict that's been doing it for years?
2: I would say um, generally when you have an addict, an alcoholic, like what you're explaining, your brother, people in the family take on different roles. And one of the roles oftentimes, because they we try to find normalcy. We try to find balance and we try to cure it, we try to uh, heal that person, we try to do that. And one of the roles is uh, the caregiver, the caretaker. And you might be in that role, it sounds like, that you're caring for him and you're trying to get him and you're, you're doing all these things, which sometimes tends to hinder the situation because he doesn't have to pay the full consequence of his actions. If someone is always catching him, and I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying people in a family also get affected by the addiction and that person tends to be the center of attention and everybody else revolves around that. So I would say to you, the best thing you can do is give him resources and then back away. Don't pay his rent. Don't help him. Don't enable him to keep doing what he's doing and not have to pay the consequences. If he's, if he's destructive to you emotionally, then back away and say I love you and and you do love him. Uh, but I will not participate in any way in your world of destruction. Yeah, and certainly. so that's always a hard choice and we need help sometimes to do that. So yeah. that was one thing I can share with you.
1: Yeah, that was great. That was a great response, Joe. Yeah, I you know, I've been told many times as well too, right? It's is that you, we have to um we have to communicate clearly and repeatedly to the addicts in our life that listen we will do whatever we can we will turn the world upside down if it's moving you towards your sobriety but we will have nothing to do with you continuing in your addiction and and those are what, and those are what we call boundaries you know
2: boundaries and it's actually the loving thing
1: absolutely absolutely you
2: know, I, if if i knew somebody had uh cancer i wouldn't keep feeding them or doing stuff that keeps the cancer going
1: exactly you
2: know i would I would take measures and it's the same thing addiction it it affects our you know uh, our emotional state, our physical state, our relational state you know it 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 harms every area, and so praying it would be another thing, but also looking for resources, giving them to him, and uh, letting him make those decisions. He gets to do that.
1: Yeah, that's and so good. And you
2: get to have sanity.
1: Absolutely. That's the big key, sanity. Well, folks, we have, Julie, uh, have set the table for you. I know we've got a lot of calls that are coming in right now. So we see all of you guys sharing in Huntington Beach. We have some others that are coming in. Just hold steady there. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be continuing our conversation with Pastor Joe Fury and this topic of drug addiction in the U.S., but also the hope that we can find in Christ. We've we got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be taking your calls as well. So give us a call right now at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888 888-52- t-a-l-k-s this is ed carlson and you're listening to southern california life
4: traffickers are moving fentanyl and meth in unprecedented amounts along the southern border the amounts are getting larger and larger Hard drugs on America's streets are part of the reason overdose deaths soared to a record 93,000 in 2020, mostly driven by fentanyl. There were on average 250 deaths each day, roughly 11 every hour. Experts say the pandemic helped drive up the death toll.
5: People having less access to treatment um, and more uh, time spent using substances, and it's, it's led to a really lethal combination.
4: Michael Biello was a personal trainer who previously had addiction issues.
5: Our children are dying and, and no one's helping us. It's, it's frustrating. We're weary. We're tired.
4: Biello's mother says things changed when the gym where her son worked closed last year, cutting him off from friends. She found him at home unresponsive and says fentanyl was in his system. How would you describe the pain of losing someone like your son and the way he died?
5: seeing him in the way that we saw him that morning will forever be in better than my head and I'll never be the same. And so my, I will be his voice for the rest of my life.
4: Today, a group of former senior government officials signed a letter to president Biden calling on the administration to formally designate fentanyl, a weapon of mass destruction.
1: We have an incredible problem on our hands here in America, folks. And that is touching every family that I know of in one way or another, and we can't hide our heads in the sand and think that it's just going to go away. Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Ed Carlson, and you're listening to Southern California Live uh, here on KKLA. And uh, we are discussing the drug epidemic in our nation. And if you want to jump in on the conversation, give us a call at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. Before we go, we got some calls online, and we're going to get to you. But before we do that, Joe, um, we have a ton of people that want to talk about this. so We want to get to them. But I, uh, we just played that clip um, about fentanyl. Real quickly, can you give me the difference? Because you've been a part of this for a long time. What is the difference between the drug culture now, as opposed to what it was, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, perhaps even just 10 years ago? What's the difference, especially when it comes to this issue of fentanyl?
2: Well, fentanyl is being pressed into pills. Um, 14, 15-year-old kids, when I was young, um, using heroin, which Fentanyl is a synthetic derivative of, and it's about eighty to hundred times more powerful. Um, it was to use needles was to say, "Whoa, you're really a drug addict." Well, nowadays it's common. Yep. It is common, and uh, and the street level of fentanyl, fentanyl's in everything. They put it in meth. They they press their own pills um, down in the cartels down in Mexico, and they send over massive quantities. Um, it's, it's available in liquid form. It's, it's, it's everywhere and it's in everything. And so you are literally risking death. In fact, they call it one pill will kill. And, uh, so we, these kids, you know, the vast majority of overdose deaths are accidental. They're, you know, they don't mean, they mean to get high. They don't mean to get dead. Yeah. And so you're devastating families like never before, um, you know, there's, there's hardly a family and my family was touched. My son died of an overdose and, uh, fentanyl was in his system and, uh, so and he so. didn't mean to die. He just wanted to get high for whatever reason. He had been sober for two and a half years and, uh, decided to go out. And, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's that. And that, Took us to another level of ministry in the sense of we never knew that there were support groups out there of parents of children who have overdosed.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's
2: massive. I mean, it's a massive group of people, so and sad. just the devastation in families because of that.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, th- this epidemic, really, and um, so, but even God uses that. You know, I know He's safe in heaven. We miss Him, and I just can't even begin to tell you the the pain of it
1: all. Yeah I want to but, have you back um, on Joe to talk about that because that's a like you said that's such a big story and so many people have been touched by that uh, but I'm definitely going to want to have you back on and Take a really just a whole hour and talk about when when tragedy strikes with addiction. Um, real quickly, I one of the, those are, we have so many people that are on hold right now. Uh, when you when we're gonna get you in right now, when you come in, if you could just real quickly give us your question uh, uh, for myself or Joe, and we'll get to it. And you can listen to it on the air. So want to go real quick to Sharon from Huntington Beach. She's been waiting for a while. Sharon from Huntington Beach. Real quickly, tell us what uh, your question is or, or your comment. Oh, exac Well,
5: sadly, I don't have a question. I just have a comment. Sure. And that I'm a part of another kind of addiction that's really serious but not addressed, and that's food addiction. Absolutely. They have done science that cocaine is about as addictive as food, as sugar on the brain. Yeah. And I belong to a group that we help people. People have taken off hundreds of pounds and kept it off for years. There is a solution but you cannot do it yourself. And because this is a Christian radio, I will tell you that I used to eat over my problems. Mm-hmm. I did not pray. I ate. Yeah. And that's a clue that, you know, I was having problems. So that's anyhow, so good. Sharon, that was my comment.
1: Sharon, that is awesome. Thank you so much for calling in. Call in anytime. That's so Boy, true. And that
2: is so true. Yeah, absolutely. You know Go ahead. Yeah, because uh, we have uh, addictions that are approved in society. Workaholism is an addiction. And it's it's greatly admired Yeah. food yeah. addiction. What do we have 60 percent of people in America are overweight with some high percentage of them clinically obese, which leads to multiple disease. But you know what? It's kind of an approved addiction.
4: Yeah. yeah. And,
2: uh, you know, and so, yeah, there, you know, and, and really, like I shared with you before, the definition, it's a way to comfort ourselves yep. to try to relieve stress or to deal with pain and trauma. Absolutely, And so it could be anything from cigarettes to to marijuana, to alcohol, to pornography, um, you know, anything that lets us build some serotonin, dopamine in our brain, um, you know, because you also have the chemical part of our being that get affected by addiction, which is also what keeps us coming back, like sugar. It keeps you coming back because your body craves it. So it's an addiction of the mind. It's an addiction of the body. And it's uh, and it's addiction of our emotions, and really it's it's a spiritual problem because we are disconnected. Yeah. And uh, so that's the beauty of God.
1: Well, Joe, we have one. This is a great one. Uh, Andrea um, is on the line, and uh, Andrea, really quick, we got some a little bit of time here just before our next break, uh, but in about a minute, tell us really your question. I think it's a great question. I think Joe will be able to answer this tremendously. Uh, Andrea, go Hi. ahead. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my
3: call. Thank you for calling. Um, My question um, is, I was married to a meth addict for five years. Um, I left him. We had three kids. And I left him in 2004. And I found out last week that he um, died in jail. And my question was, um, is there anything that we could have done for him?
1: Andrea, that's a great question. We're so sorry to um, hear about that. Joe, what would you I'm say I'm so that?
2: sorry for your loss, too, yeah. Um, one, one thing that happens when we lose a loved one, even if they're an ex or someone that was in our family, is we do what's called the woulda, coulda, shoulda. If only I would have done this. If only we could have done that. Did I do enough? And we start to beat ourselves up mentally. Uh, one of the... Uh, lessons we learned in the loss of our son that really helped us because we went to some therapy and uh, was when the therapist told us, you know, we tend to think in our brain linear, that if I would just do A, then I'll get B, and if I do B, then I'll get C. And she said, listen, anything you do, there's a spider web of decisions the person can make off it. So if you would have done A, which you thought was the best, they could have chosen a hundred different ways to deal with that, which they do. So in reality, no, you cannot cure it. Um, There's a thing called the four C's uh, regarding addiction. And, And let me just share them with you as a way to help you, Andrea. One C is you didn't cause it. You didn't cause his addiction. The second C is you can't cure it. The third C, is you can't even control it because so we try good. to control so it. Good. And the fourth one is we can contribute to its, its continuation. Yeah. So by you leaving the marriage, you didn't continue to help that thing take place. And that's where people get sick is when they think, and it's called codependency or enabling, when I try to uh, help the person by controlling them by trying to figure out how did I cause them. If I just be different, then they would be different. Or if I try to control them, I get really control. Everything they do, I'm watching. And that is called codependency, where I think I have greater power in their lives. And this is where we get sick, is you become controlled by their behavior. If they're doing okay, I'm okay. If they're a mess, I'm a mess. Where are they at? I worry and worry, and so I lose all my own boundaries. I, 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 I watch them to the detriment of my own health and my needs. I put those aside, and they become the sun of my universe, and I'm like a planet revolving around them, and that's called codependency. Um, enabling is when I keep uh, helping them to not have to pay any consequences. I encourage them indirectly to use by not having them sow, I mean, reap what they sow. So you did what you could do. You have the children. You kept them safe. Um, you're, you, you know, you did the best you could with what you had, and it was his choices That's that good. led him to where he's at. And now you, you, you have to, you know, fly solo completely. And I don't even know if he was in the picture. Yep. But, Andrea... Keep doing. Let he chose to do that. Yeah, that's that good, was, Joe. Those were his choices. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's so good, uh, Andrea. Thank you for calling, and uh, and we we'll continue to pray for you and and uh, keep keep on keeping on. Uh, when we come back. Uh, we're still going to be taking your calls. Uh, we haven't forgot about you, Jackie and Long Beach, or some other ones that are calling and calling in. Uh, we're going to do our best to get to all of you. But give us a call, LA. Give us a call, Orange County, at 888 talks That's 888 talks We want to hear from you, and we will be closing up our conversation with Pastor Joe Fury and what you can do if you are personally struggling with addiction or perhaps someone you know needs victory over their addiction. So don't miss it. We'll be right back after this break. This is Ed Carlson. You're listening to Southern California Life. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Southern California Live here on KKLA. I'm your host, Ed Carlson, and we have spent this uh, hour talking about the drug epidemic plaguing our nation. And we have been talking with Pastor Joe Fury. And uh, we've got two like major questions that I would want to make sure that we answer uh, today, Joe. But before we go back to you, uh, we have Jackie from Long Beach. She's, she's the hero of the day. She's been waiting on the hold for about 23 minutes. And so, uh, Jackie, thank you, first of all, for holding on. Uh, what question do you have for uh, Pastor Joe?
5: Yeah, hi. Um, can you
1: hear me okay? We can. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay,
5: excellent. Thank you. Hi, Joe. First of all, I have to say I love Joe. He's my pastor, and, um, and what a blessing, absolute blessing. Uh, it's because of his story that I'm able to, like, continue on living a good life. And my question is, um, my daughter, Joe, you know, is um, still out on the street. She's a fentanyl addict. She knows the Lord. She knows the Lord and um pastor ed when you were quoting i think it was first corinthians or second corinthians about you know not inheriting the kingdom of mm-hmm. of uh heaven um when our addicts are out there on the street doing the things they do evil things for drugs and um i know any time you know i could get that phone call that my daughter has died my daughter has actually asked me you know mom am i going to go to hell and um you know with scripture and everything, I just I, I need some hope that yeah. if she doesn't make it out of this of, of this disease for whatever reason, um, is her salvation secured? That's if she a, knows Jesus, yet she's living yeah. this way. If, if she dies, is her her salvation secure?
1: Gosh, Jackie, that's such an important question and such a deep question, really, and a very nuanced question, I think, such as well. But a deep question, but very nuanced as well, Joe. So, I mean, I know we've talked about this. Um, and, and nuanced, and, and I know people are looking for hope. So, so what is our response to that? That's a that's a tough one.
2: Well, my response would be this. And hi, good to hear from you.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, um, my response is God is one of the character traits of God is He is just. Yeah. People, when they're in their addiction, which motivates their behavior, they are not in their right mind. They are operating delusionally they are operating under great bondage they are not in their normal frame so they what they really need from god is an intervention so if they happen to go the way of death which is a a true thing um that is in the hands of god and he's a just and good god you know he salvation is all about what jesus did you, your daughter plays no role in that. And in fact, Scripture tells us for her to even believe that Jesus is God is an act of God on her behalf. So she doesn't do anything about it. Um, so if she has received him, then God's not done with her. And um, my my prayer would be that God would make the drugs um, that she does and the lifestyle that accompanies that, because, you know, when you're into that type of addiction you deal steal or you sell yourself there's you know you 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 do things you do things that you normally would never do in your right mind and so god has to break that and of course we have an enemy that is working against her also so we pray that god will break that he will make it disgusting to her he will make it like vomit in her mouth when she uses that would be my prayer
1: yeah And that,
2: you know what, God would maybe even get her arrested. Because sometimes the black and white car, is the police are the answer. They give people that time to get a little sober. So do not lose hope, but trust God. I remember in uh, Genesis 19 when God was heading down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and and, and Abraham asked him, well, would you destroy it if there were 50 good people? And he said, "No, I wouldn't destroy it for that." And he started working the Lord down uh, in numbers—forty. How about forty? How about thirty? <laughs> and then until he finally said, "This, you'll do the right thing. You yeah. know what's right." Yeah. yeah. And that's where we have to trust our children and those we love to the hands of God.
1: Yeah, such and, so heartbreaking uh, though, man. And, Even it's so heartbreaking. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, so. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Jackie. Thank you so much for calling and 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 being transparent and open and honest with the listening audience. And I know that there's many that are probably asking the same question. And uh, we continue to pray a God's great intervention in their life. Joe, I've got two quick yeah. qu- quick questions that I want to make sure we get to before we get off here. And so um, I've got this one and then one more. Um, this may seem elementary, but I, I know that there are many parents or family members that suspect something is going on with their loved one. Uh, but many also don't want to go there in their mind because it's just too devastating. Uh, but for those out there that are wondering about their kid or their family member or friend, what are some telltale signs that a person is using?
2: They don't act themselves. Um, they uh, Their company, the people they hang out with changes. Um, their social life changes. Um, they lie um, and they gaslight you. They, what seems, uh, you know, apparent, they make it sound like that's not happening. And, uh, you know, things just don't add up. You know, when someone's telling you the truth, you can pretty much follow along with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. When someone is being deceptive, when someone is lying, their stories don't make sense. So, I oh, I come from the belief that when a story doesn't make sense, it's nonsense. And mm-hmm. when it's nonsense, that means there's something going on. Yep. So sleep patterns change, um, you know, different things
1: Mood change, swings.
2: Uh, personal hygiene changes. Yep. Yep. There's lots of tells, but, some, you know, and that's where recovery comes in because for the family members, we have to get out of denial, too. Yep. You know, oh that's not really there. That's not good, you know and people tend to make excuses for the loved one that is using and or lifestyle changes and that's that's where enabling comes in. I'm enabling to keep on because I'm believing the lies they're telling me, which I know deep in me there's something not right here. Yeah. And and usually, you know, we're 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 intuitive people. When something's not right, it's usually
1: not right. Yeah. And so that's good. That's really good. I would say that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Joe, we got two minutes. Uh, I, I want to answer this, have you answer this question for people out there. How can people get help? What are the steps? Um,
2: well, the first step is getting honest. And, and, you know, the first step that is so succinctly put in uh, AA's first step is we admitted we were powerless and that our lives, whatever the substance is, I'm powerless over it. Because every addict tries and tries and tries to control it. And then they get to the place that they can't control it. And then the second part is, i got to be honest to realize my life's unmanageable. It's not going the way I want it to go. And therefore, that opens the door to God. Amen. Ask God to restore me to sanity, to change the crazy. And that's why I was saying to Jackie that, um, you know, her daughter is not in her right mind. Only God can restore someone that's in that kind of bondage to insanity, whether it's you at the attic or— uh, you know, somebody in the family that has to live with that, because everybody goes crazy. Yes. And, uh, you know, so, you know, and God's there. And this is the other thing. There's help. There's yeah. help out there. God gives us help. And then the fourth and fifth step of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and there are multiple recovery-type programs, but it's all about connection. I have to be connected again. Yep. You know, we're damaged in relationship. We're we're created in relationship. God created us. Parents created us. Two people created us. We're damaged through relationships, and we're healed in relationships, first with, with God. Then we get to be okay in our own skin, and we start to process the traumas and the stuff that have happened to us so that we can be okay in our own skin. And guess what that makes us? That makes us begin to be okay with others.
1: Amen. Amen. And
2: so there is great hope. There is tremendous support groups out there. There's you can jump on uh, the Internet and just put recovery.com. If, if you want to go celebrate recovery.com, um, there's al Many, many churches have uh, recovery and support groups. Our church is really uh, all about recovery. It's really about life recovery. I can give you that number, and we're well-equipped to provide resources. If you need intervention, um, we have a great ministry called PuzzlePiecesMinistry.com. You can do that if you want to have some type of formal intervention on a person that you love, but they're in so denial uh, they don't even know what they're doing, and you need help. There's yeah. help available, starting with God. Joe, and then you know there, I, our church number is seven one four eight nine three six five five five.
1: Repeat and that again. can
2: turn you on to resources. Repeat 714. that again. Seven one four. 714-893-6555. And that's His Place Church. And, uh, you know, recovery can happen. And know this, man. Your future is not about having a great past or about having a great present. It's about doing something to help yourself now, Amen. whatever situation it is. And that's where God meets us. Starts Joe, by calling out to God. So good. And then God will provide people, places, and things to help you.
1: Amen to that. Joe, thank you so much, brother. What a blessing uh, it has. You guys can get a hold of Joe on Facebook, Joe Fury. You can look up his church, His Place Westminster. And uh, it has been a pleasure, dude, and I look forward to spending more time here on the show with you. God bless
2: you. Awesome, buddy. Bye-bye. All
1: right, bye-bye. Thanks. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening today. What a show. It has been my privilege and honor to be with you these last few days. I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope that you have found some hope today. I want you to remember something. Jesus is a solution to all of the world's woes. Let's get the message of Jesus out to our world, his grace, his mercy, his love. It truly can change the vilest of hearts. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend today with you. This is Ed Carlson signing off. Until next time.